Well, welcome to Epic, everybody. If you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And if I haven't met you yet, I would love to meet you after the service. Just find me. I'll probably be outside. Just come up and let me know you're new. I'd love to welcome you to our church family. And if you aren't new with us, today, as Monique said, we're continuing on with our series called Belong. So we're in part two of this series. And what we're doing in this series is we're learning what it means to belong inside God's family. What it means for us to live in that, that relationship with other people and our relationship with God and responsibilities that we have to each other, the responsibilities we have actually in our relationship with God as well. And if you were with us last week, some of the stuff that we learned about this is that we have all been created with this longing for belonging that God has put inside of all of us this deep desire to be connected with other people, to be connected in a family, to be connected with a group, to be connected with a team, some network, some, some other group of people. We want to be connected because we want to be known. We want to be loved. We want to be cared for. And we found out last week that actually we were created by God that way because God exists that way. Christianity Christianity is the only faith system that teaches God has always existed in a loving relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what Christianity calls the Trinity. Now, I want us to think this morning for a moment about the Trinity relationship. And something else that we learned last week about that relationship was when we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are adopted into that perfect relationship. And if that doesn't blow your mind, I'm not sure what will. Like, why would God, a perfect God, want an imperfect me inside of his perfect relationship? And yet he does. And so he invites us, and Jesus says, as we become Christ followers, we can come to God and call him Abba, which means Father. So I want to start this morning by thinking about the Trinity relationship. So what do you think is going on in that relationship. How do you think God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are getting along? So let's think out loud together about that. How are they getting along right now? Perfectly. What was that? Perfectly. Perfectly, yeah. What else? Lovingly. Caring, accepting. What was that? Simultaneously, so like there, there's this perfect unity and harmony in that relationship. Is there any trash talk going on? No? Is there any power struggles? Any jealousy? So we will never hear the Holy Spirit say, why is everybody in love with Jesus? Like I do stuff too. We'll never hear God the Father say, well, why is everything now about the Holy Spirit? Everybody thinks I'm just an angry God up here. He's not saying that. Jesus isn't saying like, like, what about the Holy Spirit? Like, I died on the cross and he gets to empower everybody. Like, he got the cush job. He's not saying that. In that relationship, each member is constantly pointing towards the other. And Jesus is always going, like, you, you got to meet my father. Like, wow, he's amazing. You got to meet the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit saying, you got to meet the father. You got to meet Jesus. The father saying, you got to meet Jesus. You got to meet the Holy Spirit. 
They're amazing. There's just this amazing, perfect relationship going on that we are invited into and that we have responsibilities as members of God's family. We have certain responsibilities to God. We have certain responsibilities to each other. And we found out last week that those responsibilities in the New Testament part of the Bible are known as the one another verses. There's all kinds of one another verses as you read through the New Testament that say this is what you should be doing for each other. This is what it means to belong inside the body of Christ. And so we are told in scripture, live in peace with each other, honor each other, accept each other, care for each other, serve one another, carry each other's burdens, be patient with each other, be kind, compassionate, and forgive each other, submit to each other, teach each other, encourage each other, and confess your sins to each other. And that's just a sampling of what the Bible says that we're supposed to do for each other, the responsibilities that we have to each other as members of God's family. Then last week, we looked at the first responsibility that we have to each other. Can anybody remember what that is? Somebody didn't do their homework. Maybe it was me. First responsibility we have to each other is to accept each other talked about that last week. We talked about the issue of accepting everybody. Like there is not a person that you won't meet that God does not want you to accept. So accept everybody. Then not just stop there. It's not enough. It's not enough to just accept people. We've got to help them meet Jesus and become more like Jesus. So we should do everything that we can to help people be transformed by Jesus. And it starts with our responsibility to accept people. Now, what would you say the most prominent thing in scripture is for us to do for each other? Oh, did the screen come up? No, it didn't. Great. Thank you for not showing it. Oh, now it's up there. So yeah, there it is. So love is the most prominent thing we're told in scripture to do for each other. And as we're going to find out today, that can be a challenging thing to do. But listen to where that's found in the Bible. John 13, 34 and 35, Romans 13, 8, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, 1 Peter 3, 8 and 4, 8, 1 John 3, 11, 3, 23, 4, 7, 4, 11, 4, 12, 2 John 5, I could keep going. There's a whole lot more where we're told in scripture to love each other. What I want to do this morning is I want to unpack that a little bit, and I want us to, to gather around Jesus as we do that. And obviously, we know that, that that's not me. So we're going to gather this morning around Jesus and listen to what he said to some people who were around him one day. So as Jesus often had a group of people around him, there would be some religious leaders around him. And sometimes those religious leaders didn't like him, and they were trying to, to ask him questions that would get him in trouble. So one day, a religious leader in a crowd asked Jesus this question, what's the greatest commandment? And he was trying to put Jesus into a corner where he thought he could catch Jesus in a a tough spot. And so Jesus responded in Matthew 22, verse 37. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, if we were there, and if we understood the Jewish culture, we would all mentally say, you're right, Jesus, we understand that. We would know Jesus just quoted Deuteronomy 6.5. And we would say, yeah, that's what we've been taught all of our lives, is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and there's another verse that actually says strength. So we get it. Yep, Jesus, great answer. But Jesus continued. In verse 39, he said, 
A second is equally important. And I'm not sure if Jesus paused here long enough for people to like get their brains messed up or not. But the moment Jesus said a second is equally important, his audience would have said, "Uh uh-uh. What are you talking about? There can't be a second greatest commandment. That would make the greatest commandment not the greatest commandment. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus continued and said this. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I don't know that we can fully grasp how much Jesus just stripped their mental gears. Uh, Jesus took loving God, which is something they understood, and he took loving people and put it on the same level. And I think for Jesus' audience, many of them would have said, like, that's crazy, Jesus. Like, I don't understand that. Like, how can you put those two things together? Like, loving God is the greatest thing that we can do. We've done that all of our lives. That's why we follow all these rules and regulations. And now you're saying we got to love people equally? Like, what? That doesn't make sense. I think some of the religious leaders thought that's blasphemous. You can never put loving people on the same level as loving God. And yet, that's what Jesus did. And he continued in verse 40, he said, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So basically what Jesus is saying is all the rules and regulations you've been following all of your life, all the things that you found in the Old Testament that that you knew from God were things you were supposed to do or not do, all those things can be summarized with two commandments, with two things. Love God. Love people. And some early religious leaders who love lists, and some of us love lists. I'm kind of a list guy. I like to make lists and check lists off. And if I forgot to do something or I actually did it and forgot to put it on the list, I'll put it on the list and then check it off. So I just feel really good about my accomplishment that day. So there's some people that like really loved lists. And so what they did was they went through all of scripture And they created all these lists, these rules for following God, what it means to be in a right relationship with God. They added some of their own interpretations as well. They came up with 613 rules for following God. If you know a devout follower of Judaism, you will understand that they are trying to keep up with 613 rules to be in a relationship with God on a regular basis. How many of you struggle with just a few rules? Like I do. Adam and Eve couldn't do one rule. You know, like I feel like that's me sometimes. You know, don't walk on the grass. And like, I want to walk on the grass. Don't sit on the bench. I want to sit on the bench. You know, uh, sometimes we struggle with rules. And so Jesus, again, took all of the rules and regulations that people had made a list out of. He said, there's only two that really matter. Love God and love people. Actually, if you do these two, you're fulfilling everything in the law. Everything. If you're not doing these two things, you're not fulfilling any of it. So I will be honest with you this morning, not that I'm never not honest, but just, you know, being real with you this morning about me. There are many moments that I struggle to really love God and to really love people. And I've shared this example before. I'm going to share it again today because I feel like it's very applicable to what we're talking about. But over it was 10, 10 years ago or more, I was having a, a really bad day. And everybody in my house knew it. Uh, My wife knew it. My four kids knew it. My dog knew it. My dog wouldn't look me in the eye. Like, like everybody avoided me except my daughter, Annie. And I can't remember if she was six or four at the time. She was this little itty-bitty cute little thing. 
And uh, I was frustrated. And so I went into a room in my house where I had a desk and, and my computer. And I'm sitting there you know, hammering away at my computer working. And the only courageous person in my house was her. And she walked into the bear's den. And she came up and she tapped the bear on his shoulder. And she said, Dad. And I turn around and I see her and I'm like, how can I be angry when she's standing right there? And she says, Dad, do you love God? And here I am angry, going, I'm just about to go to deep theological training with my four-year-old. Like, this is horrible. So I turn and I answer, why, yes, honey, I do love God. Why do you ask? And she said, because you don't act like it sometimes. Talk about, ouch, you know, like, oh, man, like, you're grounded. Like, that's not okay. You don't say stuff like that to your dad. Didn't say that. It was just a painful moment for me. And the reality is there are too many times where I don't act like I love God, where I don't act like I love people. And I think when I, when I look around the world, I look around at Christ followers, at least Christ followers, some that I see, sometimes, you know, when I look on social media or, or watch uh, in the news or whatever, there are moments I'm like, I wonder how many people are asking the question, do you really love God? Because sometimes you don't act like it. Sometimes we really struggle with what it means to love God. So help me answer this question. How can we love God? Feel free to answer out loud. How can we demonstrate love for God? Or how do you demonstrate love for God? Talk to him. Pray. Love others. Yep. Serve. Be in the word. Reading the scripture. Worship. Be kind. Loving people. The great answers. Forgive people. Big one. Obeying. Ooh, you read my notes. So listen to how Jesus answered that question in John 14. In verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, what's that next word? Obey. Obey my commandments. Verse 21, he said, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Now, for me, many years of my life, I accepted God's commandments. And my parents had me in church when I was young. I'd grown up around church most of my life and knew a lot of Bible knowledge. And so there was a large part of my life that I felt like Bible knowledge was good enough to demonstrate my love for God. But it's not. Knowledge that doesn't transform how we live is useless. It's got to transform how we live. So in your life, are you obeying the truth that you know? And maybe you'd say, I don't know a lot of of truth of scripture. That's okay. Are you obeying the truth that you do know? If you are, you're demonstrating love for God. If you aren't, You aren't demonstrating love for God in those moments. And and when I'm not obeying God, I'm not demonstrating love for God either in those moments. Let's go back 
into what Jesus said in Matthew 22. So he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the reality is our love for people reveals our love for God. So let's slow down for just a minute because sometimes it's so easy to get the the vertical thing going on with our love for God. And God goes, if you're not demonstrating that horizontally with other people, this vertical thing is broken. We can't say, hey, I, I love God and hate people. We can't say that. We'll find that out in just a minute from the Apostle John. So the Apostle John says in, in 1 John 4.20, he says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar, And in that moment, I'm like, John, get your bony finger out of my chest. Like, ouch. Like, that hurts. It's challenging. It says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he's given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Now, that does not mean we can love everybody who's inside of God's family and hate everybody who's outside of God's family. Jesus' commandment was simple. Love God and love people. That means everybody. Everybody inside and everybody outside of God's family. But here's where applying God's command of loving God and loving people gets complicated. We struggle with our definition of love. You know, we, we say, you know, these things, you know, be kind to somebody, be patient with somebody, whatever. And we don't really know what that looks like in our lives and what God expects out of us when it comes to that. So to give us clarity on that, God has given us a whole chapter in the Bible that defines love. Does anybody know what that chapter is? First Corinthians, what is it? 13. You've been to a wedding before. You've probably heard this passage read at a wedding before, even though it wasn't intended for marital love. It was intended for love for all people at all times. So let me give you a little context of this chapter that we're going to read, at least a portion of this chapter. It was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christ followers who lived in the ancient city of Corinth. And these early Christ followers were having some disagreements with each other. They were arguing over... Spiritual gifts. Imagine Christ followers getting into fights over silly things like that. Like, yeah, it happens. And so Paul writes them a letter. And in chapter 12, he talks about this issue of spiritual gifts. In chapter 14, he talks about the issue of spiritual gifts. And then in chapter 13, he goes, now let me time out and show you the greatest way to interact with each other. This is the greatest thing to do. And in verse one, he says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So Paul's saying, listen, love is the most important thing for us to do. He's echoing what Jesus has said. 
Now, if I, I think if Paul was here today with us, I think he would maybe rephrase some of, of his statements in the first three verses there for us. So here's what he might say to us today if he was writing this letter to us. I think he might say, if I won the lottery and gave all my earnings to a church that is in Flagler County looking to buy land and build a building, let's, <laughs> let's just say it's called Epic. Uh, if I, if I did that, but I didn't love people, I would have done nothing. If I get to the top of my career with a six-figure income, corner office, and hundreds of people working for me, but I didn't love those people, I'd be no one. If I studied Bible prophecy so well that I knew exactly who was right and wrong in all of our political debates, in the exact date when Jesus was going to come back, but I didn't love people, I would be a nobody. The Apostle Paul messes with everything we think is important. We think pursuing power, pursuing position, pursuing prestige, we think that's important. And God comes along and says, the most important thing you can pursue in your life, the thing that you'll be measured by is your love for God and your love for people. And then in verse four, Paul gives us some clarity to what love looks like from God's perspective. Paul says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's how God defines love. And again, you know, just to be real with you, like I struggle with applying much of that. There are moments I'm jealous. There are moments I'm irritable. There are moments I'm not patient with others around me. And it's not good. And I've got to keep learning how to apply this. But, but how about you? How about you in your life? How are you doing at loving maybe that person that you work with. Maybe you got somebody new in your office recently and you have told them 10 times how to run the website at your company and they just can't figure it out. Are you patient with them? Like, are you really patient with them? How are you doing at loving that person in your world that keeps running to addiction instead of staying on the path that they know they need to be on? Like, are you empowering them? Are you enabling them to live that life? Like, like, how are you loving them in that moment? How are you loving somebody that maybe you're jealous of? Maybe there's somebody in your world that gets more recognition than you do. You do the same stuff that they do, if not more, and somehow they get the recognition all the time. Are you jealous of them? And then what's your jealousy causing you to do? Are you pulling away from them? Are you talking trash behind their back? Are you trying to make yourself look better and make them look worse? Like, what are you doing when you're dealing with somebody around you that you're jealous of? Jesus says, love them. And really loving people the way God desires can be a challenging thing. And as much as we hate rules, here's where we love rules. Because sometimes following rules is easier. You know, sometimes we make our, our list for what it means to love people and we just check it off. And then we go, see, I did that check. 
instead of really learning how to love somebody. So like rule number one can be, if you're married, you should tell your spouse you love them. And you might say, I did that 25 years ago when we were married. Check, (laughs) did it, we're good. We just learned, Paul said, we need to be patient with people. And maybe some of us would say, check, like I waited a whole minute to tell my coworker that he was an idiot for what he did in that business meeting. Like usually I would wait five seconds, but I waited 60 seconds. Be patient. I got it going on. Like sometimes we just check off boxes instead of really learning what it means to love people. So here's a question I think we should all ask ourselves in every interaction that we have with somebody else when it comes to us trying to figure out how to love them. And it's this. What's the most loving thing that I can do in this moment for that person? Not my checklist, not the stuff that I think is love, how I define it, but how God defines it. What's the most loving thing that I can do for that person in this moment? Like, what's the most loving thing I can do for my wayward child right now? What's the most loving thing I can do for that person I'm jealous of? What's the most loving thing I can do for that person who hurt me deeply? How can I demonstrate love for them? Those answers aren't always easy to find. And they certainly aren't always the same. Sometimes we'll do one thing in one moment. And then sometimes in the next moment, God prompts us to do something different as we learn to love them. So it takes deep conversations with God and a deep determination to really learn, not how to check off boxes, we're good at that, but how to really learn to love God and love people. So sometimes the most loving thing that we can do is keep our mouth shut when all we wanna do is tell somebody what we think about them. Other moments... The most loving thing we can do is open our mouth and speak the truth in love when all we want to do is keep our mouths shut. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do is pour out grace for somebody when they've messed up poorly. Sometimes God might prompt us to say, you know what, now's time to hold them accountable. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do for somebody else is to hold them accountable in a moment where they know they're off track and they need somebody to come alongside them and love them back on track. So again, Loving people may look different in different moments. And we've got 1 Corinthians 13, which gives us a great definition, a great framework to work with, but we've got to put that into action in each unique situation with each unique individual that God puts in front of us. My wife did this for me in a really big way recently. So just recently, I was having another bad day. And just so you know, I don't have bad days all the time. I'm telling you about two of them, okay? So one was like over 10 years ago. One was like recently. So it's not all the time. But um, recently I was having another bad day and just overwhelmed, stressed out. Um, So many things piled on top of me. I, I just wasn't taking those things to God and dealing with them the way that I needed to. So I'm just feeling overwhelmed and irritated. A few minor things I was allowing to frustrate me. Anybody else make uh, major things out of minor things? Like, okay, I do that. So I was doing that and stuff was snowballing just for me. And I was just irritable. You know, when I get in a spot like that, again, I'm back in the spot where nobody in my family wants to be around me because I just got jerk problems. Like I'm just a jerk. So I was having a jerk day and my wife came in and basically asked me this question. It wasn't phrased this way, but basically asked me, what's the most loving thing I can do for you right now? I didn't know. 
And so I just blurted out, listen to me. All I need you to do is listen. Don't respond. Don't give me your commentary on what I'm saying. Just listen. And she did. She sat down and she listened. And I just vomited all the stuff that I was overwhelmed by. In that conversation, there were two things I was frustrated with her about. And it came out. They were minor things, not major things. Things I should have just, you know, overlooked. But in that moment, it came out. I had no filter. And my loving wife didn't get defensive. She didn't shut down. She didn't power up. She just listened. And it's just amazing. I'm watching her as I'm delivering this. Like, you know, I'm just like, bleh, toxic. And I thought I would get a response out of her. I thought I would see a change in her eyes. I thought I would see a, a reflection in her body, but I didn't. She loved me by listening to me. We got to the end of the conversation. Uh, she kissed me goodbye. She needed to go do something. And I came home that night to an amazing meal. One of my favorite desserts was presented after dinner. And I'm going, I am such a loser. Like, I, I do not deserve this woman at all. Like, this is so bad. She's like rubbing it in. This is terrible. And of course, I had to go and apologize and say, I, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I was having a jerk moment. I'm sorry. I just vomited all that out on you. Like, it wasn't you. It was me. And my wife just loved me in that moment. So there are moments that loving people is hard. There are moments that loving people takes determination. It takes a thick skin. It takes deciding, I'm not going to take stuff personal. I want to really learn how to love this person in this moment. And going back to the question of what's the greatest thing I can do as I love this person right now. So as we close today, our worship team is going to guide us through a song about God's reckless love for us. And as you're listening to this song, you're going to hear that there's nothing that God won't do to demonstrate his love for you. Nothing. And I, I want us, as we're singing this, to kind of reflect on some relationships that we're in. Reflect on your relationship with God. Like, how are you doing? How are you doing in your relationship with him? Are you distant? Is there some things that, that maybe you are doing that you shouldn't be doing? Is there some stuff you should be doing you aren't doing? How are you doing in that? How are you doing at demonstrating genuine love for him through obedience? And then maybe look around at your life, some of your closest friends or people in your closest circle. How are you doing with them? Is there any way that you need to love somebody better? Is there any way you just haven't been loving them well? I encourage you to determine today to walk out of here saying, I'm gonna learn to love God more and I'm gonna learn to love those people the way that they need to be loved. So what God asks of us as we belong in his family, accept other people that we looked at last week, and then love God and love people. So if you would, stand with me. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing. So, so Jesus, I just, I love how you simplify everything for us. When we make things so complicated, we come up with all these rules of what it means to be in a right relationship with you. And then you come along and you narrow all those rules down to just two things. Love God and love people. And then we complicate that. We make that so difficult sometimes. 
And then you got to come along and clarify it for us and show us how to do it. Give us definitions as you did in 1 Corinthians 13. So Lord, this morning, there might be some of us just, if we're honest, not doing real well in our love for you. We're just not demonstrating that. There's some things that maybe we're not doing that we should be. Some things that we are doing that we shouldn't be. So Lord, I, I just pray that this morning for anybody in that spot, we would understand how much you love us and we would determine to take a big step towards loving you back. And there may be others that look around and go, you know what, I haven't really been loving those people around me. Again, Jesus, you put loving people on the same level as loving God. So, Lord, may we be a church that really models that. May we be a church that goes into our community and just genuinely finds real ways to love people. Not ways to check stuff off our box, to check stuff off our list, but to actually love each person that you bring us into an encounter with in a way that they need to be loved in that moment. So Lord, I know that takes deep conversations with you. Teach us how to have those deep conversations. Teach us how to have a deep determination to really love you and love others because that's what it means to belong in your family. In Jesus' name, amen.